have to, to shift that that mold a little bit to that you know what it, it doesn't hurt to ask for help and, and i think that's when once people get to that you know mm-hmm. that they realize that asking for help isn't a sign of weakness it's actually a sign of strength and, yeah. and getting better so how do you deal with someone attempting suicide thinking about it um you know, my son, you know, I told you he had mental health issues. Mm-hmm. He died by suicide about uh, a little over a year and a half ago. And you know, you're starting to see those kind of things where they're really isolating and, you know, trying to, to pull away. Mm-hmm. That's when you need to love him the most. Welcome to the Hype One Podcast, and thank you for joining me and taking the time to listen. I am Andrews Witt, and I am a positive influencer. This platform is to motivate, educate, and inspire you. It's a personal development podcast designed to help you create a better life. I am excited to have Jeremy Lynn on the show today. He is a clinical social work therapist at Ellie Mental Health in Athens. Jeremy is trained in multiple therapies that can help people suffering from anxiety, PTSD, OCD, mood disorders, and many more. His life experiences help him to connect with his clients and give them the best care. Jeremy will answer some common questions that potential clients may have around mental health. All right, Jeremy Lynn. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you, thank you. Glad to have you on the show. I'm glad to be on the show. Thank you for uh, having us. So how can I tell if someone has a mental health problem? So biggest thing, you know, so they, they call it the, indif- you know, the invisible uh, disease, the invisible wounds and stuff like that. So sometimes you're not always going to be able to tell. Mm-hmm. But some of the big things, if you start seeing someone that has maybe a change in their behavior, maybe they're a little bit more irritable, maybe they're not sleeping as well uh, as they used to, maybe on edge a little bit more, just their demeanor seems a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Usually that's something inside their heads starting to not feel easy or they're, they're still starting to feel a little bit, you know, more anxious or more worried or something like that. So that's usually the, the big, you know, starting tell, you know, to when somebody may just need a little bit of assistance. So what got you into this field of therapy? Okay. So for me, uh, I, I was in the military, uh, did about 22 years uh, and knew I wanted to help people. I always liked, uh, you know, giving back, thought about being a nurse or something like that. Uh, but what really started it was my son uh, had some mental health issues. Uh, mm-hmm. He spent some time, uh, you know, whenever he was a teenager, inpatient uh, in mental health units, uh, uh, in and out of psychiatrists and counselors offices. Uh, and, and then he, you know, unfortunately his, his mental health behaviors led him to do some acts uh, uh, that ended up in uh, juvenile detention for a little bit. Uh, oh, wow. You know, so a lot of, you know, just back and forth uh, working mm-hmm. with him. And uh, we had good therapists and we had bad therapists, you know, and, you know, just as any profession does. But, uh, you know, with him, uh, you know, I started seeing, uh, you know, all the different therapists and, well, what does that mean? And what is this? And, right. and how do you help? And, uh, you know, the really good ones really connected with him. You could see him start to make a, a positive change. And I was like, I kind of like that idea, so yeah. I think that's something that I could do to give back a little bit. So. Okay, so that got you interested in treating others with uh, mental illness. It did, it did, definitely. Okay, so what are the most common mental health problems that our society is facing today? There's a few different ones. Uh, so we uh, have the, um, uh, obviously, depression and anxiety. Uh, our society now has a hard time, you know, slowing down, and mm-hmm. we're always on the go, 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 I call it. You don't have a 
the Mayberry days where we, uh, right. you know, sit down <laughs> on the, the front porch and, and, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, we're always on the go. We're always, mm -hmm. you know, running, running, running. So it leads to a lot of anxiety. Uh, but the, uh, the one that's really uh, taken off here lately is OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And what that basically is, is anxiety is taking over. So you do something repetitively mm -hmm. to calm yourself. And by best guess, and you know, no studies have really been done yet on this, we think it's a lot stemming from the uh, COVID pandemic, oh. where individuals had to repeatedly put on masks or repeatedly right. wash their hands mm -hmm. or hand sanitize to feel safe, to feel calm and all that. And these repetitive behaviors that they did on mm -hmm. this now have stemmed over into having these repetitive type behaviors mm -hmm. uh, that help them feel calm. So. Uh, us being, uh, you know, with uh, UGA uh, co-dogs, you know, we, yeah. we see a lot of college students uh, that have, you know, OCD tendencies, and, and they were the students, you know, they were right in the middle of their, you mm -hmm. know, um, beginning of their high school years and stuff like that. They're now taking off, and then they lived in that pandemic, so that's that's really the big one nowadays. OCD. Mm -hmm. I, I sometimes feel like that I'm OCD. <laughs> right. You know, so... Definitely could help you out if need be. So. What causes mental health problems? Some some issues are you know hereditary. There are some you know numbers that show that you know if your family has it, it you know it could be something like that. It could be uh, things that that happened whenever you were younger. Uh, you know if you experienced a lot of trauma whenever you were young, it could affect how you're acting later on in mm -hmm. life. Uh, you know uh, anything. Uh, but then going back to just always on the go. You know. It, biggest thing that we talk a lot about with people is taking time for yourself, taking time to slow down. Right. And, you know, if individuals took a little bit more self-care and a little bit more care for themselves, mm -hmm. a lot of things could, could be helped out a little bit. So, uh, you know, that's the, the big ones for the anxiety and stuff like that. But just trauma, you know, you know that we see, you know, uh, impacting our society, you know, sexual right. abuse and domestic violence and stuff like that, you know, really impacts a lot of uh, mental health concerns as well. But Unfortunately, a lot of it's things that happened, you in know, exactly 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden it, it decided it wants to show its face mm -hmm. today kind of thing. And, and so a lot of people, we get really good at pushing down their feelings and we get told, uh, yeah. you know, since a young age, hey, don't show, don't cry, don't don't get angry, don't, mm -hmm. don't get all those. So you get used to just pushing all your emotions and your feelings down. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, like a jack-in-the-box, you know, it's going to pop out. Yeah. Pop. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we see. You know, mm -hmm. people push it down for so long, and then suddenly they, they need to get a little bit of help. Yeah. Well, most people want to say it's hereditary. I hear that a lot. There is some, you know, you know uh, you'll see, you know, individuals, especially some of the... Uh, um, you know, like schizophrenia and some mm -hmm. of the more severe mental health uh, issues you may see where that falls through the lineage. But you do see a lot of times individuals that, hey, I got depression. My parents have depression, right. you know, and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, whether or not it uh, got passed down through a gene mm -hmm. or uh, another term that we use is what's called a learned behavior. If, yeah. if your parents, you know, had these kind of uh, traits and these behaviors and these actions, uh, it may have just inadvertently gotten pushed down to you that you you need better coping skills or you need these. Right. And that, that's okay because, again, no, but, you know, 10, 15 years ago, mental health was not a big thing. Right, you, right. You know, it's still, you know, a lot of stigma associated with it that, you know, you don't want to go see the, uh, the mm -hmm, therapist. Mm -hmm. I, I'm crazy if you, you know, go to the therapist. 
so nobody ever went. Uh, and now that we're developing better coping skills and better strategies and we're taking away that stigma, hopefully some of those things that you know may have inadvertently gotten passed on gets reduced yes. as well. Well, that's the perception of mental health in our community, that mm -hmm. it's hereditary, mm -hmm. it's passed down, and it's not good to go see a therapist. Yeah. And that's why we're, we're where we are with mental health. You know, and I always use the example, you know, if you, you get hurt, you, you break an arm or something, mm -hmm. you ain't going to try and fix it on your own. You're going to go see a doctor. doctor. Right. You know, and same thing goes here. You know, you come in, you, you sit on the couch, uh, you know, do use a computer screen or whatever it may be uh, uh, and, and do telehealth services. And you're getting a professional. You're right. getting somebody to help you out. Uh, you know, we use the, the analogy as well of like going to the gym and you need a coach, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I may know how to lift weights, but I may want somebody there that can guide me they a little bit better. You. Right, exactly. right. When can one be sure that their mental health is affecting their personal work or academic life? That's a, a tough uh, question just because it's an individual kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, some of the... The big things, obviously, if you're you're really having a hard time concentrating and you're starting to see mm -hmm. your work, uh, you know, get affected by it. Uh, if you're starting to have loved ones say, you know, you're not you, you're, you're something's wrong with you. That that's something that you know could really indicate it. Um, you know, uh, irritability and anger and, and stuff like that. If you're starting to, to break things or if you're starting to you know, just lash out in ways that you don't like individually, mm -hmm. it's probably, you know, a good time to, to go and, um, right. uh, in order to get help. And, you know, your family can encourage you, your friends can encourage you, and everybody can, can say that, you know, you should go mm -hmm. uh, get help. But once, you know, I'm ready to, right. to receive it. Right, you have to it. want to do exactly. it. Exactly. So usually it's, you know, again, just going back, it's you realizing that there's a problem that you're not your normal self or you're not the self you want to be. Right. And maybe there's somebody that can help you out to achieve those uh, goals. Okay. So what can I expect when I go see a therapist? So most therapists, uh, you know, uh, the offices are pretty calming. Uh, they're pretty, you know, laid back. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the individuals, uh, you know, truly care. You know, every therapist that I've ever talked to truly care about you as a person. Mm -hmm. they, they're not going to judge you. They're not going to think right. that you're a horrible person or that, you know, I can't believe you can't figure this yeah. out on your own. Uh, you know, so they, they really come from that, that heart of wanting to help you get better. And you're going to come in and sit down in the office. Uh, first session, probably going to tell them a little bit about what's going on and, you know, give a little history of everything, get some background information from you. Mm -hmm. And then usually it's starting in the second session, you start peeling back the layers. And, right. you know, uh, I know here at Ellie, uh, we do a very person-centric um, uh, approach to it, meaning you are different than every other person right. I've ever interacted with. So I have to give you a detailed, custom approach to therapy mm -hmm. uh, that will meet your needs different than this person, mm -hmm. different, yeah, right. you know. Yeah, so... Uh, you'll, you'll come up with a treatment plan, figure out what you want to work on, what kind of uh, therapy you, you want to use, because there's a bunch of different therapies. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and the biggest thing, you know, that we always talk about is, you know, your therapeutic alliance. And what that means is how you connect with your therapist and yes. your therapist connects with you. So, again, that you get all the, the best help that you need. And uh, some therapists you may not connect with, and that's okay. Right. That just means that we'll help you find a you know a different right. one, yes. and, you know, kind of go from that. Uh, but therapy, you know, average person starts feeling better, uh, you know, after about eight sessions. So you're, you're looking at maybe 
less than two months uh, to start seeing a, a positive change for a lot of uh, conditions. So, okay. Yeah. When do you think is the right time to go see a therapist? The, the point that I need to go see a therapist? Probably about a week before you get to that point. <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, you know, with that, um, you know, when you get to that point where you suddenly accept that you want to get help, start reaching out, you know, as soon as possible. There's great uh, resources, uh, you know, with Google nowadays, psychologytoday.com is a great website uh, to check out providers, uh, you know, that, that accept your insurance, accept your problems, you get to read bios about them and all this kind of stuff to, to find the, uh, the person that you can connect with. Um, and then just start uh, getting there, you know, getting that help of, you know, going back to your, your question of just whenever you start to feel that things aren't going right, mm -hmm. that you're starting to notice that you've been in this for too long yeah. and what I'm doing isn't working or maybe I need a little bit more help and then I can, you know, now it's time for me to get yeah. the, the help that I need. So um, it's a tough decision, but uh, again, going back to yeah. you have to, you have to make that decision and you have to sometimes swallow your pride a little bit. Sometimes, you know, uh, you know, it's hard, um, you know, to reach out and ask for help. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, sometimes a, a cultural thing. Uh, yeah. Many uh, believe that we, you know, I can get it or, you know, our culture doesn't go get help or, right. you know, uh, that I can get through this on my own. You know, going back to your, your parents, you know, type mm -hmm. thing. My parents got through it. I can get yeah, through it. And, right. you know, and so you sometimes have to, to shift that, that mold a little bit uh, that, you know what, it, it doesn't hurt to ask for help. And, and I think that's when, once people get to that, you know, mm -hmm. that they realize that asking for help isn't a sign of weakness, it's actually a sign of strength and, yeah. and getting better, so. Yeah, because you're, you're actually owning up to where you are and realizing that I need to go get some help. Mm -hmm. And what people don't realize is things are different mm -hmm. now than it was in the past. Yeah, our parents may have gotten through it on their own, but mm -hmm. now with, the society, the world now with social media and, and all this technology, yeah. things are different. Yeah. It makes depression a little more, mm -hmm. you know, now that the kids are dealing with the bullying, yeah. cyberbullying and yeah. all that good stuff. So, yeah. you know, it's it's different. It's very different now. Definitely is. Uh, you know, the us being connected through all of the different social media platforms and, and internet and all that, uh, you know, raising a kid nowadays is completely different mm -hmm. than raising a kid, you know, 20, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, it's a night and day difference. And, and the kids are facing things that I never would have even dreamed of, you mm -hmm. know, whenever I was, you know, 10, 15 yeah. years old. It, it's a completely different society, you know, and, and a lot of changes and a lot of growth and a lot of fast movement, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so definitely, uh, you know, a good time to get help. Uh, do you guys see kids here? We do. Uh, we uh, take kids as young as about uh, seven years old uh, and then all the way up uh, to 99 years old. A lot of couples therapy, uh, you know, couples having to learn how to talk, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so all kinds of uh, things, you know. Even as therapists, you know, let me say it that way, even as therapists, we sometimes seek uh, counselors of our mm -hmm. own because sometimes we need help. Oh, yeah. You know, so. Most definitely. Everybody can use some help. Definitely. Everybody. Definitely. So how do you deal with someone attempting suicide or thinking about it? Great question. Um, so with suicide, there, there's a belief, uh, especially in general society, that you shouldn't talk about suicide. You know, mm -hmm. you shouldn't 
you ask it, you may put that uh, idea in your head. Um, at Elia, uh, I'm a firm believer that, you know, asking about suicide is actually reducing it. There's actually studies uh, that go around saying that uh, about 60 to 70% of people who attempt suicide or die by suicide mm -hmm. have seen some kind of provider, doctor, uh, you know, you know, psychiatrist, counselor, whatever, within two weeks of their attempt or their actual suicide. Really? And within that two weeks, somebody could have, you know, asked the questions and stopped. So you see a lot more emphasis uh, mm -hmm. in the healthcare, healthcare and behavioral health uh, world where we ask more about it. So here uh, at our clinic, uh, our staff uh, completes what's called the Columbia Suicide Severity Rating Scale, which is kind mm -hmm. of the standard for assessing for suicide risk. And we we ask it on a regular basis if uh, they indicate that they are suicidal uh, or have uh, different terms. You got passive, which is I'm just kind of, ah, I wish I was, you know, right. you know, maybe I wish I wasn't here, but there's no plan or intent mm -hmm. versus if there's a plan, you know, kind of thing. And depending on where a person's at, we create a safety plan with them and mm -hmm. we talk about uh, ways that uh, they can come up with their own strategies to you know, when they're not here in sessions to, to be able to cope a little bit with it. Uh, uh, we try to, to really work on addressing their, their ways to cope uh, with all the stress and everything that's uh, really affecting their behaviors. Mm -hmm. uh, we try to bring them in more often, you know, uh, rather than pushing them to the hospitals. Obviously, there's a point where we may have to, to get right. them to go to a hospital and get, you know, more intensive uh, therapy. Mm -hmm. But if possible, we try everything we can to keep it in-house, uh, keep them, you know, coming here because especially going back to that, if they have a, a good alliance with me as a therapist, right? they're going to open up more. They're going to feel, yes. you know, uh, more connected with me. And we want to keep that going as much as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so building more frequency in appointments, building up those good safety planning, asking a lot about it uh, at every session we'll, we'll ask and say, Hey, so, you know, have you ever wished you were dead or wish you could go to sleep and not wake up? Yeah, you know, that, that's a standard question on the CSSRS uh, that we ask, you know, pretty much every interaction just to make it a normal part of the conversation. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It could be something that we, we address, we talk about it, mm -hmm. and then let's see how we can help you out together, you know. So especially individuals that, that may have that, they may feel a little bit isolated, a little bit alone. So we want to build in as many connections as we can right, with them. Yeah. Uh, so that, that they know that we're there to support them and not judge them. Hmm. That's awesome. That's, that's good that that's included in there because on down the road, they may be thinking about it, not at this time, but yeah. you know, I can't get what I need. I can't get what I want. I don't want to be here anymore. So yeah. to open up is, is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and, and I'll say it this way. Um, you know, my son, you know, I told you dad, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. He died by suicide about uh, a little over a year and a half ago. And yeah, I'm a professional. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, but I'm, I'm a mental health professional and, you know, we, we try to, to help him. And, you know, um, you know, he got to a point where he just isolated himself. And he was a grown, you know, adult by this mm -hmm. point. Uh, so he was off doing his own thing. But, you know, he just got to a point where he didn't want to ask for any more help. And, you know, mm -hmm. so he very much isolated himself. So if you're you're starting to see those kind of things where they're really isolating and, you know, trying to, to pull away, mm -hmm. that's when you need to love them the most. And so if you mm -hmm. see a family member or friend starting to really pull away like that, yeah, really, you know, try and get to them as much as you can. So, 
So what cause of action would you follow for a patient with anxiety or any other mental illness? Yeah, so with uh, anxiety, uh, a lot of it is uh, a term called mindfulness. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, that's the first thing I talk with uh, clients about. So mindfulness is you can Google different apps for it and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, breathing exercises are a form mm -hmm. of mindfulness. Uh, uh, basically, it's I call it the hamster wheel of the head. So yeah. anxiety is fear of the unknown or fear of the uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. And I, I got these situations in my head and I don't know what to do about it. My little hamster wheel starts mm -hmm. spinning out of control. So what mindfulness does is it teaches you to slow down and helps you to focus in on your thoughts. So kind of a two-part process that every day you're going to practice this, that mm -hmm. self-care going back to what we talked about, you know, putting yourself first and doing this every day, yes. you know, and mindfulness Besides breathing, those exercises could be prayer, you know, as a mm -hmm. form of mindfulness, uh, coloring books are a form of mindfulness, uh, you know, anything like this that helps you focus in your, your thoughts into to one yeah. central mm -hmm. kind of thing, and you practice it regularly, and that brings your anxiety level down on a, uh, on a daily basis, but then you're practicing these skills so that whenever you start getting really anxious, uh -huh. you know how to use it. You know, have you ever had somebody tell you when you start getting upset, just take, you know, take a breathe. deep breath? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't work. You're just over there. <laughs> and you're hyperventilating. Right. And you're getting really upset, but your mind, the hamster wheel is still, still spinning going. out uh -huh. of control because you've never practiced how to breathe effectively. You know, I always uh, use this story. Um, uh, it goes back to, um, you know, and I haven't verified the, the truth of this, but mm -hmm. what I've been told is Michael Jordan, when he first joined the uh, NBA, he was, you know, fairly low uh, rankings for a free throw shooter. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he knew how to, to do three-pointers. He knew how to do layups. He knew how to do everything. He could shoot from the free throw line, but you put him on the free throw line, right. he would miss as many as he would make kind of thing. So mm -hmm. the story goes, he started doing 200 free throws every day. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the, uh, you know, when he retired out of there, you know, he'd be on that line. You see all the videos where people are yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> trying to distract him. He had practiced it so much that he blocked Just all of that stuff out, out yeah. there and he took all the skills he already knows and he puts it into this one mm -hmm. thing and now he, he can shoot free throws. And that's what mindfulness by practicing it every day. Now when you get into an anxious moment, you can mm -hmm. actually, you know, start to, to apply it to be able to, to use it as needed. So mm -hmm. so so mindfulness is a, a big one and then a uh, another That'd be term. very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> definitely and it's something anybody can do, you know, you can go into your onto your phone and you know the play store or whatever and, and type in mindfulness there's mm -hmm. a bunch of different ones and just start practicing it every day you know uh, i see that on my fitbit app. yeah yep it tells you <laughs> take care of yourself yeah. the mindfulness so okay. so that's one and then the other one uh conjunction with that is what's called cognitive behavioral therapy yes uh so with this one what we know is you have a situation. Mm -hmm. The situation gives you an automatic thought. Mm -hmm. That automatic thought then drives your emotions and drives your behaviors. Mm -hmm. So you don't like your emotions and you don't like your behaviors. All you can do is challenge those thoughts. Oh. So what this uh, therapy uh, does is it talks about that you have to argue with yourself. So I always right. tell clients it's okay to talk to yourself. It's mm -hmm. okay to answer yourself. It's okay to argue with yourself. And if you lose the argument, come see us and we're going to help you out. A right. Bit. Uh, but you, you challenge those thoughts and you reframe those thoughts because those thoughts are stemming, again, going back to things that happened 10, 15 years ago. Right. These are these learned behaviors that you pick up over time mm -hmm. that when something happens, you automatically think this is what's going to happen is driving your emotions. If I can change that over time, 
challenging those thoughts and then shifting that automatic thought to something else. Well, then when that happens, your automatic thoughts differently. My emotions are changed mm-hmm. and my behaviors change. Change yeah. your negative thoughts to positive thoughts. Most definitely. Every day. If you replace that every day and you meditate, yeah. then eventually you will become a positive person. I practice that. I it took that. me years. Yep. And I am much better than I have been in I the past that. years. I love that. You know, for people with depression, uh, you know, uh, the other thing that I add into that, you know, with the positive thoughts is like the mantras, you mm-hmm. know. How many people wake up nowadays, write it on a mirror, right, you know, right. these positive uh, thoughts, positive mm-hmm. uh, expressions about yourself, you know, so that you can remind yourself that you are good, you, are, you matter, you're worthy, yeah, yes. positive affirmations, Every day. And, you know, it's so easy to get beat down mm-hmm. on the negatives, you got to remind yourself of the positive, so. Yes. Can we prevent mental health issues? Some of them uh, you can, uh, some uh, mental health issues, uh, you know, going back to, uh, uh, depression, you know, kind of thing. If uh, you allow yourself to, to constantly hear nothing but negativity, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to inevitably be drawn into more of a depressive state. Right. If you're constantly on the go, you're constantly, uh, you know, go, 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 run, run, run. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're going to be in a more heightened state. So your anxiety is probably going to be a little bit more heightened. Uh, so you, you can prevent those uh, fairly easily by taking, you know, some corrective action to self-care, positive affirmations, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Uh, now, that doesn't always mean that you can prevent it. Uh, sometimes right. you don't know, uh, um, you know, that you're being sucked into a depressive kind of state. Uh, you know, it's a very low level all the mm-hmm. way across. So not always the case. However, things like trauma, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're not going to know whenever a traumatic experience is going to happen. And, uh, you know, again, some of the other, you know, bipolar type diagnosis or mm-hmm. uh, schizophrenia, you know, those are things that uh, you, you can't really control. But uh, right. there are certain aspects of it that you can control, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as you go through therapy and, and get, you know, the, the coping skills. And that's a lot of what it is. Uh, you know, you just have to learn, you know, the ways that you're going to cope through right. any of these kind of behaviors. And, you know, some people do well with reading a self-help book, yeah. but sometimes you, you need to, to go get that expert help. Right. What about diet and exercise? Does that play a role in your mental health? Definitely. Um, sleep, diet, and, and health you know, or, uh, and, and exercise are definitely uh, key pieces. Uh, so, you know, obviously sleep uh, resets your brain, allows you to... Uh, be able to think more clearly allows mm-hmm. you to while you're sleeping you're kind of processing through everything that's kind of happened and mm-hmm. you know allowing you to, to get fully rest and be energized and able to focus on it uh, uh, the next day and all that so if you're not sleeping well you're you're in more of a fog you know yeah. and then you're not able to do it uh, eating you know eating healthy is definitely a, a big piece of it because the um, the more healthy food I eat, then I've got a better diet, and mm-hmm. again, uh, I'm not having to add on different pieces of it, uh, you know, because eating then affects your hormone levels, uh, which affects how your brain interacts, uh, you know, right. uh, with these uh, kind of thoughts. If you are on any medication, mm-hmm. again, your diet's going to affect any kind of medication you're on, which could then be tying into any of your emotional state, um, you know, and then exercise, you know, goes back into that self-care piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are so uh, used to sitting down and not really doing mm-hmm. anything. Uh, uh, had a, uh, a therapist.
this this is back in 2015 time frame said yeah. the most used uh, part of the body is our butt nowadays <laughs> and that we are so used to sitting See, at a yeah. computer desk or sitting you know on a couch or whatever mm-hmm. uh, that we have to get up and you know take a walk take you know yeah. just take a lap around the building or you know something like that just to get up and, and get uh you know your your energy levels back up uh, get um you know something that you're doing for yourself you know mm-hmm. with it so definitely exercise is a huge part of it uh, that is the most common um health assessment question now mm-hmm. how much do you sit in a yeah. day yeah. yeah it's definitely a thing and that's why businesses are booming making those little treadmills <laughs> that go under yeah. the, uh, the the desks and you know uh, you know things like that to try and keep people a little bit more active uh, mm-hmm. you know it, and again, it keeps us, uh, you know, if we think back to COVID days, you know, uh, uh, numbers actually, home. yeah, everybody got used to working mm-hmm. from home and, you know, sitting on the couch and sitting, you know, mm-hmm. doing all these kind of things that, you know, we got very used to just sitting, you know, and now that, that we can get back out, we can go do more things, uh, you know, definitely will help you out a lot. So. Mental health. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So this next question um, I experienced. Okay. A couple of years back, mm-hmm. um, I really, I've heard of it, but never really experienced a okay. narcissistic person. Okay. Do you deal with a lot of narcissistic so, people? Not directly with narcissistic people, and here's why. I deal more with the individuals associated with the narcissism, because with narcissism, um, it's a, what's called grandiose, uh, you know, I... I am great. I am, you know, I, um, you know, I do all these amazing things and, and, um, you know, the other people shouldn't question anything that goes along with it because I'm an amazing person. And, uh, you know, so a a lot of their behaviors of how they, they respond to others ends up causing problems in other relationships. I, again, I maybe in my entire time had maybe one person that was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, had narcissism, but most of the time it's the family members or the friends that are embedded with them that get the constant, uh, you know, negativity thrown mm-hmm. their way because they're not good enough. Uh, right, right. You know, you shouldn't be in my presence, you know, and not that they're saying it flat right, out right. that way, but because of their, their grandiose thinking, mm-hmm. you know, and lofty thinking and, you know, I'm worthy, you're not, you know, kind of thing. And just that this constant shaming uh, that goes along with that uh, a little bit of a, uh, uh, I'll say emotional uh, abuse and, mm-hmm. and bullying that goes along with it. We see more family members, you know, yeah, that, that. exactly. Mm-hmm. So then they got the depression and they got, um, and it's kind of weird. Uh, you, you often, uh, whenever you start working with somebody who's uh, in a, uh, a relationship with narcissism, uh-huh. they will actually think that they are the narcissist. They will actually be the one thinking that they're wrong and that their mm-hmm. way of thinking is wrong and how, you know, well, that's, how dare that's I how they make on. you feel. That's, exactly. that's their trait, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so because of all of these years of just, you know, kind of being chipped away at the, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, mm-hmm. uh, that over time they just start second guessing that they're the ones that are, you know, in the right, uh, you know, and thinking that they're wrong, you know, with how they're acting. It's actually, you know, we need to, yeah. to teach you some better coping skills for this. Uh, that that was me. Yeah. And, and um, I was like, I did something wrong to mm-hmm. someone. Yeah. And then I finally like, fought back. Mm-hmm. And I, after I started reading upon a narcissistic person and what they do and the mm-hmm. gaslighting and yep. all that good stuff, and I fought back. 
Yeah. And they don't like when you fight back, nope. but it helped me. That's good. Yeah. You know, we always say that you can only control yourself kind right. of thing. Um, how you respond and how you react. Exactly. And, and the hope would be that, you know, if you were in that situation and you fought back, well, then hopefully the, the, the person that was, you know, the actual narcissist, then you would, you know, help them realize, ooh, maybe I need to go get some, some counseling and get right. you know, a little bit of change and maybe I need to, to reframe how I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, you know, as with other mental health issues, it can be addressed, it can be worked on and, you know, yeah. time can help them, you know, work through their issues. Yeah. So, I'm glad to hear that you, uh, you, you fought back and, oh, yeah. you know, it seems like you're in a good spot right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> good, good. It was really hard a couple of years ago. Oh, it really wow. was. But Sorry to hear that. Yeah. But I, I dealt with it. Thanks to my sister, she introduced me to the, the term, and she said, read up on it mm -hmm. and, and, and see these actions. Mm -hmm. See that they match this person, yeah. and then you're the other person on the receiving side. That is you know? awesome. And once I started studying it, and learning about it and you know how you react and how you respond then things got much better and it's, it's almost like the person kind of started going away mm -hmm. because as long as I was there feeling like I was wrong or what am I doing wrong mm -hmm. and then they just kept on and on and on and then when I like I said finally stood up it's like started going away oh, that's, that's amazing I'm glad that you had a uh, family member be able to point that out you know yeah. probably even I would imagine that it was probably a vulnerable state for you, you mm -hmm. know, that, you know, you got your sister, you know, coming to you and saying, no, 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 look at this. And mm -hmm. there, there may have been a little bit of shame or guilt uh, that you had uh, mm -hmm. whenever she first brought it up. So I'm glad that you, you didn't take it negatively, that right. you actually were like, hmm, and, you know, started uh, getting better. So that's awesome. Yeah. What is the most common mental illness that you deal with here? So for me uh, personally, um, I love uh, trauma work, uh, mm -hmm. so a lot of PTSD, you know, like I said, I was in the military, uh, mm -hmm. so whenever I got out, uh, uh, worked at a couple of uh, veterans clinics, uh, so a lot of PTSD and stuff like that, so definitely love that, I love couples therapy work, uh, you know, a lot of uh, couples uh, need help learning how to communicate, so, so those are my personal two uh, areas, uh, you know, um, doesn't mean it's my highest one, probably the highest one is going to be... Uh, Either depression or anxiety is some mm -hmm. of the more common ones, uh, um, but we you know we have a lot of that. And then, like I said, the uh, the OCD uh, with right. DGA, we're we're getting a lot of referrals uh, for those kind of things. Uh, each of our therapists uh, kind of specialize in different areas. Uh, mm -hmm. You know uh, what's called like co-occurring substance use, which is um, you, know, you got mental health issues plus. Uh, you know, some kind of substance use, uh, right. you know, problems. So they're, they're combining the therapies to kind of help out with that, uh, you know, but definitely depression, anxiety, or probably what I would say probably would be the leading one we see here at uh, the clinic. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jeremy Lamb, for this interview. Of course. Well, thank you for having me. And, you know, if anybody, you know, needs help, you know, don't hesitate to reach out, find a, a provider. Uh, it's, it's okay to ask for help and, you know, so we're always here to help anybody that needs help. If you or someone you know is suffering from any type of mental health illness, please consult a physician before making any life changes. Thank you for watching and listening. I hope this episode helps or changes your life or someone you love.